0: Pastor, what do you mean we must all cross the barren desert? The barren desert in the Old Testament, as the children of Israel make their way, is literally, for the Christian, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Now, some of you have a difficult time with this because you look out and you see the world as your bowl of cherries. You have your entertainment. You have your favorite places you like to go and things you like to do. Life is full and life is good. And then there are times when life is hard. But that's life. So get on and, and live your life. That's not what the scriptures teach. If we do not cross the barren desert, we will not enter the promised land of heaven. So for the Christian, the barren desert is literally the world, the flesh, the devil. And it means turning away from it and walking in the spirit and not In the flesh. Let me read it for you. Galatians, the fifth chapter. Now I say, you must walk in the spirit, and you absolutely cannot fulfill the lust of the flesh, i.e., fallen nature. Now the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. Indeed, these things oppose each other so that you may not do these things that you may desire. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifestations, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, indecency, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, Discord, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, strife, dissensions, false teachings, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and things similar to these, which things I told you before, even as I said before, that the ones practicing such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there's no law. In fact, the ones who are of Christ crucified the flesh with the passions and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, we should also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. And it goes on. I urge you to read chapters 5 and 6 in the book of of Galatians. I want to be very plain with you. If what you enjoy are movies that include the, the list that I just read for you and All of Hollywood's movies fit in that category. If you enjoy the battle of life, you desperately want to get ahead and you want to have the money and the cash and the lifestyle. You want the recognition and the fame. Then you're walking in the world. A Christian turns his back on all of that and walks in peace and joy and in the Spirit. He doesn't walk in competition. He doesn't walk in struggling with other people. His view of the world is very different than that of a pagan or a non-Christian. Now, what concerns me so much today is that Many of you who call yourselves Christians love the things of the world, the flesh, the devil. If you're willing to turn off your entertainment, you will quickly discover that it was a drug, and you have now a great empty hole in your heart that must be filled with something. I remember when the Lord told me to turn off my television and I had just purchased a beautiful large screen Sony at over a thousand dollars. This is many years ago. He told me to turn off the television. So I would go and sit in the living room and stare at that blank TV, wishing I could turn it on because it was my go to drug of choice and I would watch it for wonderful programming. I loved the History Channel. I loved other channels, nature channels. The Lord said, turn it off. I made an interesting discovery. I discovered that if I watched television, I had no interest in reading the scriptures. But if I turned the TV off and I began to read the scriptures and they were cardboard in my mouth, if I continued to read them and I literally had to stand up, I had to walk around the room to stay awake and read the scriptures aloud. But finally, they began to come alive for me. And now when I open the scriptures and I begin to read, it's like a technicolor movie flowing before my eyes. I look at it. I rejoice in it. It's alive. It's not dead. It's not cardboard in my mouth. I don't have to walk around and read it out loud to stay awake. And now I despise television. I despise the movies of our day. I despise the violence and the bitterness and the anger. When couples come to me and talk about their marriage and begin to get into their warfare, it makes my heart sick. It breaks my heart. How can a couple who has taken vows of love before the judgment seat of Christ, how can they now turn and with wicked blows beat on one another, and argue and fight. It's all of the flesh. It's not of the Spirit. And those who do such things have a great chasm that they're going to have to cross in this barren desert if they're ever going to enter the kingdom of Jesus Christ. So we come to our story today. And you'll see why I'm saying these things to you because the children of Israel have come out of a bitter time of slavery. They've seen the great deliverance that God has granted unto them. And now they're hungry. They're starving. And the scriptures tell us why they're hungry. I want to read this passage for you over here in the book of of Deuteronomy. This is... Moses speaking to the children of Israel before he takes his leave, before he dies. He says in Deuteronomy, the eighth chapter, Be careful to follow every command I give you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised on oath to your forefathers. In other words, he's telling them, look, you're crossing the desert, so heads up. I want to say to you, brother, sister, it's desert-crossing time. It's time to expel from our life everything of the world's entertainment and everything of the world's lust. It's time to get clean with Jesus. Verse 2, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert those 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Your clothes did not wear out. Your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Look at Hebrews 12, 5-11. Observe the commands of the Lord your God walking in his ways, revering him, For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with streams and pools of water, with springs flowing in the valleys and the hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil, honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing, a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. And when you've eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine homes and settle down, when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase, And all you have is multiplied. Then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful desert, that thirsty and waterless land. With its venomous snakes and scorpions, he brought you water out of the hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the desert something your fathers had never known, to humble and to test you, so that in end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, My power and my strength, my hands have produced this wealth for me, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Now, I want to say very clearly, we have a a desert land filled with poison snakes and scorpions that we too must cross if we're going to enter into that promised land. And we are walking through this world where every wicked thing crowds in upon us to test us, to see if we will follow the lead of Jesus Christ and turn away from the world the flesh, and the devil. If we will turn away from the entertainment of our day, if we will seek Jesus. I just received a, a couple letters, and one of them said to me, I like that you're hungry for Jesus. That tells me that you spend a great deal of time reading the scriptures because hunger for Jesus only comes as you turn off the world and you read the scriptures, and they're right. Remember that old song, The things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace if you want intimacy with Jesus, if you want to have your mind changed, if you want your heart to be set on Jesus, if you want to be friends with Jesus, you're going to have to turn the TV off and the movies and all the worldly things. Some of you... You want those expensive purses. You want those expensive entertainment items, whether it be expensive sporting gear. You want to enjoy the world. You're going to have to turn that off. Some of you are going to have to fast and pray. You're going to have to stop opening that refrigerator door and eating like a glutton. I'm simply telling you that if you're vastly overweight, you're not going to be close to Jesus because you're worshiping your stomach and not Jesus. Your stomach comes ahead of Jesus. Now, I've been guilty of this. And I finally, at the prompting of the Spirit, began to fast, serious fasting. Why? Because I want Jesus. I don't want this world. I don't want to be satiated with what this world has to offer. I don't care at all about money. I've never tried to accumulate money. I see money as a tool, an instrument by which I can help build the kingdom of God. I don't see money as something that affords me a beautiful new car, a beautiful house to live in. I'm interested in heaven. I'm interested in In the other side. I'm interested in walking in the spirit, not in the flesh. So here the children of Israel come. They're hungry, and they're angry. And they're saying, we wish we just died while we were in Egypt. And I can tell you now that if if you cut off your TV and you cut off the movies and you cut off the, the professional sports and you stop going to the games, you cut off the seeking after money and you seek the kingdom of God with all of your heart and all of your mind, you're going to go through withdrawal symptoms because all of these are drugs. They're devil drugs. if you close your refrigerator door, you get rid of your sugar, you start eating a more low-carb diet, the result will be, you will feel like life is not worth living. I need food. I need I need that rich pasta. I need... No, you don't. A little protein, some vegetables. You're on your way. You don't need the rich food of the American lifestyle. It'll simply give you type 2 diabetes. It won't. The sugar is not healthy. It's poison. I love it. I love ice cream. Do I eat it? Very, very rarely. Why? Because my God is not my stomach. Jesus is my Lord. They're saying, if only we'd died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. They're telling lies. That did not happen. They were bitter slaves. Now you've brought us out into this desert to starve the entire assembly to death. the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. And in the evening you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. In the morning you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against him. You will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want. You know it was the Lord who brought you out. the glory of the Lord appeared in the desert. They could see the Shekinah glory. And then the Lord said to Moses, I've heard the grumbling. Tell them at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning, there was a layer of dew on the, crown, on the ground. And then thin white flakes like frost appeared on the desert floor. And when the Israelites saw it, they said to, to each other, What is it? They didn't know what it was. Well, what is it is manna in the Hebrew. The word manna means what is it? And Moses said, it's the bread the Lord has given you to eat. Each one of you is to gather as much as he needs. Take an omer, that is about six pints. That is about two quarts. For each person you have in your tent. And the Israelites did as they were told. Now, how much manna would would fall? I want to share with you from, again, Gleanings in Exodus by Arthur Pink. He writes, Now a conservative estimate of the total number of Israelites who came out of Egypt would be two million. For they had 600,000 men able to go forth to war. Numbers chapter 1, verses 45 and 46. An omer was to be gathered for every one of those two million souls. An omer is the equivalent of six pints. There would be 12 million pints, or 9 million pounds, gathered daily, which was 4,500 tons. 4,500 tons of manna, was gathered each morning. Hence, ten trains, each having thirty cars, and each car having in it fifteen tons, would be needed for a single day's food. Over a million tons of manna were gathered annually by Israel. And let it be remembered, this continued... For 40 years, 40 years of over a million tons of manna, each of those 40 years. Now, some who don't believe in the scriptures say that it was a resin on a tree. Right. Millions and millions of pounds. No. No foolishness. This was something human beings had never before seen or never before tasted. This was a miracle of God. This was a supernatural event every morning in their camp to say to them, it is the Lord who is providing for you. It is the Lord who walks with you. Now, I I cannot strongly enough emphasize for you that you can only cross the barren desert. You can only cross the barren desert of this world by having the miraculous provision of God in your life. This radio broadcast is on the radio by the miraculous provision of God Almighty. I am here alive at the age of 76 by the quickening of the Holy Spirit in my physical body to preserve me to give me life and breath to do this work of the gospel for which he has been training me year after year. Now, the manna is very interesting because the Lord could have said, put cloths out on the ground or Or he could have said, put tables out. Or he could have just had the manna show up inside their tents. He could have put crystal goblets. No. To make it through the desert, they were going to have to go out in the early hours of every morning and get on their knees and pick up the bread for the day get on their knees early hours and pick up their food now this is amazing if we want to look at this as as the scriptures which it can rightly be said, the manna is the word of God. It's, it's what gave them life. It was small in size. The scriptures are small in size. It came right where the people were. The manna was white in color. That is, it was pure. It was clean. It was not corrupted and the manna was to be eaten. Now, can I be very simple with you, please? How do you eat? Well, you have to take a fork or a spoon or chopsticks. You have to pick the food up. You have to put it in your mouth. And then you have to chew it and then you have to swallow it. This is what they had to do with the manna, or they would have starved to death. This is what you have to do with the scriptures. You have to pick the scriptures up. You have to read the scriptures. You have to chew on the scriptures. You have to swallow the scriptures and say, this is my life. No, we would rather eat ice cream from the world, from the devil. We'd rather eat our favorite foods, whether it be tiramisu or or pasta. We don't have a taste for the scriptures. I can't tell you how many people have said to me, boring, I go to sleep when I read the scriptures. I know why, because your mind has been seared because you've been eating the wickedness of the world. People say to me, I can't sit still long enough to... No, because you're so full of the world's poison that you can't be still. You've got to be dancing the devil's dance. You're not going to make it through the barren desert that way. You're going to perish out there like the children of Israel did. You have to appropriate that manna. You have to chew it. You have to eat it. You have to take it in. You have to assimilate it in your body. It's not something that sits on the shelf. It's to be eaten. Now, As I look at this story, the bread of God was given, but he also very kindly gave him to Moses and to the children of Israel. He gave the quail. He gave them chicken to eat. So they had fresh chicken and manna, even though manna was a perfectly balanced nutritional meal. They had their fill as a sign that it was the Lord who was providing for them. The Lord will sometimes provide things for us that we don't really need. And he does it out of the kindness of his heart because we ask him for it. There have been things I've not needed but I've asked him and he's given it to me and it's made my journey a little easier. For example, I'm cooking meals for myself and I love to have fish and I love to do burgers. I don't have a grill So I asked the Lord if I could buy a large toaster oven. And he said, yes. And he led me to just the right place at the right price to buy a toaster oven. And now on Sundays when we have fellowship here in my home, we're using the toaster oven for them and we're using it also for me. Now it made my life a little bit easier. It made my diet a little bit better. Did I have to have a toaster oven? No, I did not. The Lord will give us what we don't even need out of the kindness of his heart. Our God is not a tightwad. Our God is not a stern disciplinarian. Our God is filled with mercy and with kindness, with generosity but he wants us to keep his covenant and walk through the desert without being caught in the lust of the flesh or the pride of life. He wants us to humble our hearts before him and before our brothers and sisters. Now, the Lord is giving to them a day of rest. A a holy day, a a sacred time. One of my favorite authors is a man who, a Jewish man who has passed by the name of Abraham Heschel. He spoke about the Sabbath in terms of, of God built a beautiful castle in time to commemorate the Sabbath. We enter into the Sabbath rest. It's something beautiful. For the first time since the fall of Adam and Eve, God is bringing back to them one day a week of Sabbath rest. Now he told them, there will be no manna on the Sabbath day. On the seventh day, there will be no manna. Stay in your tents, rest, it is a day of rest. Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. This is chapter 16 of Exodus, verse 27. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That's why on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where he is on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. But some of the people kept some of the manna for the next day. They thought they could keep it for a couple days and then they wouldn't have to go out and get any more manna. But immediately in the second day, it spoiled with maggots in it and it stunk. And Moses got very angry with them and said, how long are you going to disobey the word of the Lord? Can I tell you something? The scriptures have to be read every day. Every day there has to be times of prayer and meditation and fellowship with Jesus. And if you skip, things will turn rotten in your life. And you will begin to experience distance from Jesus. Now, some of you are so far away from Jesus that it doesn't make any difference to you. And I say to some brothers and sisters, as I ask them, have you read the scriptures each day? Well, no. Oh, Did you eat three times a day or more? Did you eat your fill of food? Oh, yes. said, you mean to tell me that you're willing to feed your physical body, but your spirit body you don't care about. You'll put it on a starvation diet. It's no wonder you're weak. It's no wonder you have no power to resist the enemy. You're starving to death because they're unwilling to give that time to Jesus and feast on his broken body and drink his spilled blood. And this is necessary if if you're going to walk with Jesus. So the people, they called the bread from heaven Manna, meaning what is it? It was white like a coriander seed, tasted like wafers made with honey. And other places you find it had a, a touch of olive oil taste. They literally ate this manna for 40 years. Now, I want to come to book of Hebrews. I'm not going to have time to fully develop this today, but I do want to read a portion of it to you. In Hebrews, the third chapter, therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, you must carefully fix your attention on the apostle and high priest of our confession. Jesus Christ. Can I be very straight with you? It is very easy to become extremely busy in what we consider to be our responsibilities. You will not make it through the barren desert of this world by fulfilling what you consider to be your responsibilities. You must go and get the manna. Now, some people tell me, Pastor, I'm so tired after I have worked that I don't have any energy left. That tells me your life is out of balance. It tells me that you have decided that by your own work and your own labor, you can make it through this barren desert. Some people, when I say to them, how are you? How was today for you? Oh, it was tough. And every time I ask, it was tough. It was hard. I've had a hard day. Well, I know why they've had a hard day. They're trusting in their own ability Oh, Jesus told me I had to do this. No, he didn't. He said, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If you're exhausted by life, it's because you think you're in charge of your life and you have to produce so much just to cover your debts. You think God is incapable of giving you manna today? If God could give them over a million tons of manna a year for 40 years. Do you think the hand of God is too short to handle your little debt? To handle the need you have in your life? No. No. We get all worked up and worried and upset. I'm not going to have enough money to pay this. I'm not going to be able to take care of my children. Oh, wait a minute. Are your children your responsibility, or are they Jesus' responsibility? Last I checked, they belong to Jesus. It's up to you to cry out to the Lord and carry them through the wilderness in the arms of Jesus. Listen to this. Consequently, chapter 4. May we fear, lest a promise being left open to enter into his rest, anyone from among you might think to have missed it. For indeed we are having the gospel preached to us even as they, but the word of hearing did not benefit them, not having been united with faith in them after having heard. Now we, the ones having believed, enter into the rest, just as he said, as I swore in my wrath, they will not enter into my rest, even though the works have been finished from the foundation of the world. For he has said, as we know, concerning the seventh day in this manner, and God rested on the seventh day from all of his works. And in this place again, they will never enter my rest. Since then it remains for some to enter into it, and the ones at an earlier time, having had the gospel preached to them, did not enter in because of disobedience. He again sets a certain day, saying to David, Today, after so long a time as it has been said, Today, if you hear his voice, may you not harden your heart. Now if Joshua gave them rest, he would not have spoken concerning another. After this, consequently, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for the one having entered into his rest Even he himself rested from his works as God rested from his own. So, may every effort be made to enter into that rest that no one may fall by the same example of disobedience. You see, it is disobedience that keeps us out of the rest of God. It's thinking we have to do it. He will carry you through the barren desert if you will allow him. I tell you today, I witness this today, that Jesus is by his glorious hand carrying me through the barren desert. And people will say to me, but pastor, you're a pastor, and so you, you have time to read the Bible. Well, you have as much time as I have. I'm not someone special. I've chosen to read the scriptures and to live in them. I've chosen to walk in the Lord Jesus and not be exhausted by the world, the flesh, and the devil. I want nothing to do with them. I believe the promises of God. I believe the promise of his Shekinah glory I believe, the promise of manna. For the word of God is living and active to make things happen, sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of both soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, even to discern the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The Lord is coming to you right now. And he's dividing between the bones and the marrow of your spirit. And he's saying, look, what are you doing? Will you believe that I will carry you through the desert, the barren desert? Do you believe that I, the Lord of heaven, can keep you from sinning? that there's no longer any reason for you to walk in rebellion against me. That's what he's saying. Will you trust Jesus to take care of your children? Will you spend the time necessary to pray for your children? Will you pray for your husband, for your wife, for your mother, your brother, your sister? Will you pray for those you care about? Will you believe that Jesus can carry you through the barren desert? And if you're walking in fear, it is unbelief. The children of Israel would not leave their cave of fear. They would not leave the cave of disobedience. They thought they had to take care of themselves. Some of you have been deceived by the devil. And you say, well, I have sinned against God and now I've got to pay the consequences. No, you don't. The consequences were paid for at the cross of Calvary. You are to walk free in the joy of the Lord Jesus Christ and simply do his work of sharing the gospel message wherever he assigned you the task of working. But if you're working so many hours that you are exhausted, then you are in disobedience to the Lord God of heaven. You say, well, I have to do that to take care of my family. No, you do not. Jesus is the one who will care for your family. Well, is he going to make man a fall from heaven? Yes, he'll make man a fall from heaven. He did for tons and tons and tons of the children of Israel do you think he won't do that for you in the new covenant the Lord said to me will you receive only from my hand what I choose to give you and I said yes and now he said to me test me in this for the work of the ministry will you will you, will you trust me to pay for radio? Will you trust me to, to move in people's hearts? Yes, I will trust you, Jesus. I will walk by faith in the mighty power of the Lord Jesus Christ. I invite you to walk through the desert, the burning desert, being held in the arms of Jesus. I love you, my brother. We're out of time. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray. Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. We'll talk soon.